We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. really is one of those truths that can be totally transforming. You know, it's one of those things that is very, very practical that you can just bring into your life every single day. You know, we're going to learn today and we'll be reminded that Jesus is coming again. And since he can come at any moment, we must always be ready all the time. Because look what it says here. It says in Luke 12, beginning in verse 35, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Surely I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. Jesus is coming again. You know, you read in the Bible um, about his first coming. They said he was going to come and, and save the world. And, you know, you read it over thousands of years that the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. And one day he came. You know, we celebrate it. It's called Christmas Day. But that was just the first day of Jesus' coming. The Bible says that Jesus is coming again. And just like he came the first time and he he fulfilled his prophecies, he will come again. You know, one of the interesting things about this doctrine of the return of Jesus Christ is that it's the most repeated doctrine in the whole Bible. You know, when you think about that, you're like, wow, I, 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 that must mean something. And it definitely does. It means that God really wants to emphasize this to his people, that he's coming again. Why? Because when you live in light of the Lord's return, it will totally transform your life. When you're not saying, oh, you know what, he might not come today or whatever, you know, I just have a feeling it's not going to happen. But when you live every single day in light of that possibility, what it does is it has a sanctifying process upon us. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. See, he's going to come again. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, if you remember what happened, Jesus ascended into heaven on the 50th day after his death. And so what ended up happening was, as he ascended into heaven, the apostles were there just watching him go up to heaven, just like we're going to get raptured. You know, in one sense, he was raptured, and they saw him go up. And as they're there, they're staring at the clouds. The angels come and then they say, why are you staring? They say the same way Jesus ascended into heaven, so he will come in like manner. And they went out and they lived their life in light of the Lord's eminent return. You see, whenever you find a Christian who's right on, whenever you find somebody who's holy, and dedicated and sanctified unto God, used by God, one of the common denominators you're going to find is that they lived in light of the Lord's imminent return. You see, and I think for us in going through our study today, we're going to see how important it is. Look what the Lord says again there in verse 35. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. 
To have your waist girded, uh, it pointed to the practice of tucking the end of the long outer garment men would wear into their belt. That would shorten it, and then that would prepare them for the work or the run or whatever it is that they needed to do, even the fight. Now, if you think about it, it's kind of funny. The Lord says, I want you to gird your waist now. You know, most of us would think, well, girding your waist, it doesn't take a long time. I mean, when I see him coming, then I'll do it. God said, it'll be too late then. Do it now. Be ready now. Gird your waist. He says right there, let your lamps be burning. Don't ever let them go out. Your lamps burning means that you're awake and ready always. And all of the time. Usually what do we do when we go to sleep? We turn the lights off, right? Unless you're afraid you have a night light. But, you know, generally speaking, right? The lights are off and we're asleep. Jesus says when it comes to the spiritual waking, waiting for me, never, ever turn off the lamp. What he wants us to do is to always be ready. We're going to be studying today the words from the Christ. And if we're ready, then we will be blessed. If you're really ready, you will be rewarded. But if you are not ready, you will be punished by God. You see, we're going to lose rewards. It's an amazing thing. The first thing we see is this. Jesus is coming as a Lord. We are his servants and we should be waiting. Jesus is coming as Lord. We are his servants and we should be waiting. Very simple. Verse 36. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. And so the Lord here uses the illustration of servants waiting for the eminent return of their master. So ready. Think about this for a second. They are so ready that the moment he knocks on the door, boom, they're there to open the door. That's how ready they are. You know, have you guys ever gone somewhere? Maybe you went shopping or maybe you're coming home from work. Have you guys ever gone anywhere and what ends up happening was your hands are full, you got all these packages or whatever, and maybe you ring the doorbell or you knock on the door and, and you know, you know everybody's inside because the piano's going, the TV's going, and all these things are happening, the car's in the driveway, but nobody answers. Has that ever happened to you? Wicked people, huh, that we live with, man. You know, and, you know what, what is, what's the problem? Well, they're working, they're busy, they're doing other things, or they think to themselves, well, someone else will get to the door. You know, but have you ever come home, and this is so cool, I don't know, maybe it's your wife, or maybe it's your daughter. I know for me, sometimes my son, you know, I'll be going up the sidewalk, up the steps, and ready to open the door, and then my son will open up the door, and he'll say, Hi, Dad. <laughs> I love it when he does that, man. I don't know why there's something about that that just brings me joy. And, and I think that that's what the Lord is saying right here. It's just, you know, you're waiting. And the moment he comes to the door, you're like, there, boom, you're ready. And the Lord says, that's the way I want you to live your life. And see, the Greek word for wait is a real neat word. It means to receive to oneself. It means to admit in. It means this, to expect the fulfillment of a promise. And you know this, and we need to know this, that he said he's coming, and he's not a liar. Jesus Christ is coming again very soon. That will change your life. You know, it doesn't take a technical, you know, rocket scientist Christian to be able to figure this out. 
that as you're living life in the light of the Lord's imminent return, then it will change your life. You know, there was an example. We have a few examples in the Bible of individuals like, that were like this. A Simeon is a really good example. In Luke 2, verse 25, we read about a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Same Greek word. There he was, waiting for the consolation of Israel. No wonder he was just and devout, huh? The Bible says the Holy Spirit was upon him. We read of another individual that the Lord used in the same light in Luke chapter 2, verse 38. Her name was Anna. And she was uh, blessed to see Jesus as a baby. And the Bible says, coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. These are people that she knew were right on. You know, same Greek word, waiting not with flat-footed, you know, patience necessarily, but with kind of like on your toes, expectancy, you know, looking for. Have you guys ever, you know, maybe you had someone come to pick you up and you're looking out the window, right? Oh, are they here yet? Are they here yet? That's kind of the way it is for us. That's what God wants us to be. That's how he wants us as a church. As a matter of fact, in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, the Bible says we are to look for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's the way we need to be. That will change our life. That will make us stand out. That will make you different. And we need to be different. We're living in the last of the last days. And the world is messed up. Jesus is coming soon. Earthquakes in Washington, D.C. <laughs> 70 years ago, that was the last time. I think the Lord is saying, things are going on in Libya, things are going on in Egypt, in Israel. All that is God saying to us, I'm coming. Now, we don't know the day or the hour. No one knows the day or the hour, but we do know the season and we see the signs of the times. We're living really in the times of the signs. This must change us. In these last of the last days, we have, we have to have an urgency. You know, the, the, the world is messed up because the church is messed up. The world is messed up because the church is not shining the way they should. This is sin of worldliness. It's okay for the boat to be in the water, but not for the water to be in the boat. Christians, we need to awaken. And we need to arise. And we need to wait like this. And look for the Lord like this. Because it will change our life. And it will bring it back to where it needs to be. Godly men filled with the Holy Spirit. Devout and just totally different than those who simply go with the flow. Oh, the rest of the Christians are doing it. So what? We really need God's power in our life because we're living in some crazy days, you know? I think of Joseph of Arimathea. Think about this man. He was a prominent council member and he asked for the body of Jesus. He did something that even the apostles were not courageous enough to do. You want to know why? Because the Bible says he was waiting for the kingdom of God. It says that in Mark chapter 15, verse 43. That's what makes us different. When you look at history, even the beginning of the Calvary Chapel movement, you'll find that what sanctified them, what transformed them was this truth. An understanding that Jesus might come at any time. You know, and we know he's tarried. He's not willing that any should perish. So he's kind of, you know, given us more time. 
But not only Jesus coming again, but how about you dying? You know, there's a, there's a chance you might die. Are you ready? Are you really ready? First John chapter 2, verse 28, it says, And now little children abide in him, that when he appears we may have confidence before him and not be ashamed at his coming. So we need to abide in him. We don't want to be ashamed for that day. We want to live light in life of this in life in light of this truth. There should be a strong yearning for his returning. And Jesus says, if you wait, you're going to be blessed. Look at verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. Here the Lord speaks of servants, doulos, who give their lives up for their master. Read in verse 37 that not only to be waiting, but we see here they're also to be watching. See, when the Lord comes, it's real clear what he's looking for. People who are waiting and people who are watching. Now the word right here for watch in the Greek, it means to give strict attention to. It means to take heed. It means to make sure you live life in such a way lest a destructive calamity suddenly overtake you. In a sense, this watching is kind of a watch of self. It's a watch of the influence of the world. It's a watch for the fallen prince of the world, the devil. Watch out, because if not, you might miss out on what God wants to do and how God wants to reward you. We watch and make sure we wait very attentively. Look what the Lord says. He says in verse 38, And if you should come in the second watch, or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. Right here, Jesus mentions the possibility of him coming at the second or third watch. Now, in the Roman culture, this would be anywhere from 9 p.m. to 3 a.m., In the Jewish mindset, it could be from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Now remember this, 9 p.m. to 3 a.m., 10 p.m. to uh, 6 a.m. What we see is that in those days, not a lot was usually going on at that time. Okay, in the dark. They didn't have lights like we do now everywhere, right? When the sun went down, pretty much everybody went in. And two things would be happening. If you're older, you'd be sleeping, right? So we are. We ran out of gas like around 9.45 or so, right? And if you're up to no good, you'd be out in the dark partying. That's kind of the way it works. Either you're sleeping or you're playing. Either you're knocked out or you're out and about. And Jesus says, even during those hours, make sure that you're awake and that you're waiting and you're watching. You know, either of those are not good to be sleeping spiritually or to be partying carnally. We read in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 6, Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Jesus said in Luke 17, 26-27, And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them Oh, the bottom line is if we're out spiritually sleeping, if we're out and about carnally partying, then we're going to miss out big time. We need to be awake. 
We need to be walking in holiness, not in the dark. What the Lord says right here is, I want to reward you. I want to reward you. Look again at what he says in verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. I mean, there's a lot there, but I think packed in that is God's going to reward us. Here we see something specific in that we're going to have a dinner with Jesus. We're going to have a dinner in which he girds himself and he serves us. Now imagine that. If you thought the fish tacos were good, imagine what that day will be like. A deal of a meal. Winner of a dinner with Jesus Christ. But are you waiting? Are you really watching? Are you really living with that understanding that he could come at any moment? It really does change your life. It really does rearrange your priorities. We don't live for ourselves any longer. We live for him. You see, it's not that I want Jesus to serve me. You know, it sounds kind of strange. It's just that I know how important it is to him. You see, as the Lord is about to come, we need to be waiting, we need to be watching. We see that emphasized again in our next point. Jesus is coming as a thief. We are homeowners and we should be watching. Look what it says in verse 39. It says, But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect. In this we see that the application hasn't changed, but the illustration has. Same thing we read there in verse 40. Be ready. To really be ready. You know, every once in a while when we're leaving the house... um, you know, I'll tell my kids, okay, we're going to leave at a certain time, whatever, you know, 7.20 in the morning. And, you know, so everybody knows this is the time we're leaving, right? And so about 7.10, 7.15, I'll ask, you know, them or whoever, you know, you guys ready? Yeah, we're ready, Dad. Ready. Okay, cool, cool. So 7.20 comes, I'm ready to walk out the door, and I say, let's go. And then my son will say, I can't find my shoes. <laughs> I can't find my shoes, and I'm thinking they could be anywhere, you know? And there we go on a 10-minute frantic search for his shoes, right? One's in the backyard, the other's in the garage. It's crazy the way things happen, man. And the bottom line is what? It's an illustration and it's not the same, you know, application. But, you know, he wasn't ready. And if you were to really think about it, a lot of us are not really ready. We're not really ready. Maybe you're saved. But when you stand before the Lord and you're given the rewards, you're not going to get what you should have got. Second John 1 verse 8 says, receive a full reward. God wants you to receive a full reward. And the reason you're not going to receive a full reward is because you're not ready. You've got to be ready. And that's what the Lord is saying. It's kind of like, 
You know, the master with his servants waiting there to open the door the moment he knocks. It's kind of like a homeowner waiting for the burglar. The moment he's there, he's ready to meet him. That's the type of passion we need to have. Here we see the Lord as the one that's coming. We're the homeowners. Imagine that if you're a homeowner and you knew that a burglar was coming, man, to steal your you know, your flat screen TV or whatever, you know, your iPod, um, your iPhone, your jewelry, your money, or worse, your children. What if you knew they were coming? Would not you, wouldn't we be ready? I mean, if we knew when he was coming, we would be there and we would meet him, believe you me. I mean, we would have security lights, we'd bolt all the doors, we'd have guards, we'd hire them. (laughs) Probably guns, huh? We'd be ready. You know what? You ain't coming in here, man. We'd be ready. And the Lord is saying that's the same way we need to be. Jesus says, don't let this type of surprise happen to you. Always be ready. See, we get ready and we stay ready as Christians. That's the way we should live our life. Why? Because the Son of Man is coming as a thief in the night. We don't know the day or the hour. We need to be ready. First Thessalonians 5.2 For you yourselves know perfectly, right? You know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. We know that, right? Second Peter 3.10 The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Revelation 3.3 Remember therefore you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. If you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Revelation chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Jesus says, I'm coming as a thief. And so... I believe this is a truth that can transform us. It's a truth that really needs to find a home in our heart. To know, number one, that Jesus is coming as Lord. We are His servants. We should be waiting. Number two, Jesus is coming as a thief. We are homeowners. We should be watching. And then number three, Jesus is coming as boss. We are His employees and we should be working. Because that's what we read next in verse 41. It says, And Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise steward, whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. You see, we want to be good waiters, good watchers, and good workers. Jesus here calls them faithful and wise stewards. Jesus says such workers will be rewarded. He says they'll be blessed who he finds so doing. And it's so cool when you find waiters waiting and watchers watching and workers working, huh? Have you guys ever had a job with a worker that didn't want to work, just out of curiosity? 
Maybe you're like that. <laughs> I remember one time I had a friend, his name was Armin, and I remember we used to look in the market together. I started working there when I was a junior in high school, and this guy says, you know, I'll show you how it's done. And so this is what he did. He just kind of threw a few things up there, and he went to the back room, he opened up the newspaper, and he's smoking a cigarette. I'm thinking, dude, you're getting paid for this? This is cool. No, I didn't. Actually, I'm like, man... You know, because a lot of times workers are not working, period. And when Jesus comes back, he wants waiters waiting and watchers watching and workers working. That's what he's looking for. A lot of times, though, we're lazy and we make excuses. And we have to be so careful because the Lord lays it out very clearly. This is what I want you to be doing when I come back. Working. See, right here, it's kind of interesting. Peter asks him a question. Lord, is this for me or us, kind of like the leadership, or is it for everybody? And, you know, I think what the Lord says in one sense, he says, you know what, it is for you. Right here, we talk about a servant. He talks about a servant, a steward, who was supposed to feed other people. It's interesting. He says right there, a wise steward, whom his master will make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of food. That's what they are supposed to be doing. You know, and, and he says, you know, it will be a blessing if I come and I see him doing that. You know, for me, I think of the, the grace that God's given to me, allowing me to teach. You know, and I can't teach every time, but man, very rarely do I say no at the opportunity to teach. Very rarely. And it's so cool because the Lord will allow little studies or different types of studies. And every single time you see the fruit of God's word. Why? Because waiters should be waiting and watchers should be watching and workers should be working and teachers should be teaching. Spouses should be spousing and you know, parents should be parenting. Kids should be kidding because it's always fun when they do that, right? All the different roles and responsibilities, opportunities, we're accountable for that. And so this is what the Lord says. I want this to be happening when I come. I want you doing. You see, a steward is considered a house manager. And we've been given gifts and responsibilities in life. Jesus said, Behold, I'm coming quickly. Revelation 22, verse 12. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his Work. You see, the millennial kingdom is coming. You're going to be given responsibilities and opportunities based on your faithfulness, your wisdom as a steward, your faithfulness as a steward. And then we're going to have different responsibilities in the millennial kingdom. And I believe even opportunities in our home in heaven, all based on what? Our faithfulness, our wisdom, our stewardship. You know, all we need to do is to be faithful. It doesn't matter if you're the pastor. It doesn't matter what place you have. First Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, it's required in stewards that one be found faithful. You see, we all as Christians have gifts from God that need to be given back to Him. Can't be, you know, stingy with the spiritual gifts, right? And that's what good stewards do. They give it back to God. First Peter 4.10, it says this, As each one has received a gift, Minister it to one another. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, I don't have a gift. Yes, you do. Or maybe you got the gift of gap. Whatever it can, whatever it is, right? We all have gifts. The Bible says each one has received 
a gift. That's all of us. So what do we need to do? We need to minister it to one another. We need to serve. We need to serve one another, right? And it's not because we're great or we're worthy because Peter goes on to say as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know, if you're here today and you're thinking, well, I'm not holy enough, you know, we never will be. You know, don't take that lightly. Continue to grow in your relationship with God, but discover the gifts He's given you, develop them, and then begin to deploy them. You see, all of us are ministers and all of us are managers. If we're faithful, we'll be rewarded, and it's not necessarily, again, that we look to the reward. It's just that we know how important it is to our Lord. We need to use wisdom, it says there in verse 42, and follow the Lord all of our life. Waiters waiting, watchers watching, workers working. This is what Jesus wants to see happening when he returns. But what happens if you, if you shine the message on? What happens if you say, you know what? Ah, ain't no thing but a chicken wing. What happens if you like, oh, I don't agree. This is what the Lord says right here. He says in verse 45, But if that servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming, I'll do it later, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in two, and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. This is a heavy warning, you know. And I have a feeling that, you know, he's speaking predominantly to non-believers. We see that later. Eventually he ends up with the unbelievers. But maybe it was a believer at one time. But in their heart, the backsliding began by saying, you know what, Jesus is not coming soon. Ah, tomorrow, the next day. And there was no urgency in their life. What ends up happening? This individual, when they say, you know what, the Lord's not coming, he begins to have a wrong relationship with God, which then spills over into a wrong relationship with others. He begins to mistreat them and beat them, verbally abuse them, physically abuse them. They begin to eat and drink and do all the other things. They get caught up in what? Their own life and their own animal appetites. The Lord says, what I'm going to do to that individual is I'm going to cut him in two and apportion him in the place that he belongs with the unbelievers. Now, literally in the Greek language, it's even worse, you guys. You know what it says? He says, I'm going to dismember him. God says that. I'm going to dismember him. And you're thinking, whoa, is God going to do that? You know what? Probably not literally, but what it is is a clear and heavy warning that the judgment of God will fall. You see, for us, God warns us because He doesn't want that to happen to us. See, God would rather reward us. We've spoken about the rewards already. They're in the millennial kingdom. The reward of Him having dinner with us, you know. Some would connect that to Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. When the Lord is knocking on the door to the church, He's knocking on the door. The handle's on the inside. You open up. We have fellowship with Him. You see, and when you're in right relationship with God, everything else comes into play. You know, so more than likely, this precept right here is to non-believers. 
But the principle is to believers. You guys, don't say in your heart that the Lord's delaying is coming. Don't say that. Live every single day in the light of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. It's important for us. And when God gives you truth, respond to it. Look what it says right here in verse 47. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him they will ask the more. We see the precept, we see the principle. I think God's speaking to us all. If you're not a Christian here today, what are you waiting for? You know, you may not have tomorrow, man. Today is the day of salvation. God wants to forgive you of your sins. God wants to bless your life. God wants to, you know, take you home to heaven when you die. See, The Lord wants us to live a life with Him. If you're not a Christian, man, today's the day because otherwise you bring judgment upon yourself. But if you are a Christian, then God says, live life in light of my return. Wait as waiters. Watch as watchers. Work as workers. It's important for us. And as He teaches us His truth, man, make sure that we respond to them. Ask yourself, what has God taught me? Well, you're responsible for that. Secondly, what has God called you to do? That's what he's talking about right there. To whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. And maybe it kind of goes back to Peter's question. Lord, is this for leaders? Yes, it's for leaders. God gave you that leadership responsibility And you are accountable to God for that. Don't take it lightly. He's committed so much to you. And they will ask the more from you. Because what? The leader is what? The servant of all. And we see the principle that one day when we stand before God, whether it's the white throne judgment or the Bema Sea, the things that God will put on the table and talk to us about. And so we really need to take these things to heart. I pray that God would give us wisdom in all these things. As waiters, we'd wait. Watchers, we'd walk. Workers, we'd work. That we would know Jesus is coming. And that we would seriously search our hearts. Lord, do I live like this? Do I live with that understanding that you're coming at any moment? And Lord, am I really ready? For your return. If not, today I encourage you, get ready, find your shoes. If not, I encourage you today, not only get ready, but be ready. I encourage you, not only get ready and be ready, but stay ready. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, Lord. What a blessing it is, Lord, to be able to know even in advance that you're coming again. Lord, I know the day will come. Your word says it's going to be like in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. At that moment, you're going to come. 
And I pray, Lord, that we would be ready for that day, Lord. I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your faithful servants that are here waiting, watching, and working. And yet I know there's probably even just a deeper understanding of this, Lord, that you would want to work within us as a church. Lord, purify your church. Lord, make us strong today. We can be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to study, Lord, today. And I pray, Lord, if there is anyone here who doesn't know you, who's not a Christian, then that today, Lord, they would read and heed even the warnings from the lips of our loving Lord that there is a judgment coming upon those who do not repent and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And so, Lord, I pray in that truth that today you would just uh, save many lives. Plant your word, Lord, water it and bring in a harvest. And just in case, I don't know if there's anyone here, but maybe there's a few of you here who are not Christians and you don't know the Lord. Or maybe you've backslidden and God wants to bring you back today. If you're here today and you want to recommit your life, commit your life to Christ, if you want to repent of your sins, and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, um, then right here, right where you're at, would you raise your hand? And we're going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, for those hands that have gone up. This is really the most important decision you'll ever make in your whole life. Whatever you do, don't put it off. Do you need Jesus? Do you need forgiveness? Do you need him to break the chains? Only he can. But he's asking for your permission and we need to humble ourselves and receive him as Lord and Savior. It's amazing what a simple raising of the hand can do. I've seen it. I've seen God totally transform lives. And so if you're here today and you want to receive the Lord, or you want to recommit your life to the Lord, because you don't know where you're at. You maybe don't even know. Remember this. Okay, you were not born a Christian. And your parents, you know, are. You're not a Christian because you go to church. It doesn't make you a Christian. You know when you're real. And you know when you're not. Anyone else? When to receive the Lord. Oh Lord, I thank you so much for the hands that went up, Lord, today. And it's beautiful to see the work you're doing, Lord. I pray for them, Lord. I pray that those hands would really mean just everything, Lord. That that would mean that they surrender their life to you. They know you died for them. That you were put in a grave. You were rose the third day. You conquered death. You're the Savior of the world. And that, Lord, as they turn from their sins and trust in you today, Lord, that you'll take them all the way home and you'll give them heaven. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to study your word today. I pray, Lord, you would encourage your people to go out into the highways and byways and valleys and alleys and to shine with your love and your light. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for allowing us to be here today. And I pray that this truth 
It can't be anything that any man would say, but that your truth would just be planted in our hearts today. That you want us to live in light of your return, waiting and watching and working. I pray, give us wisdom in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel, El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.